All right, welcome everybody to the year that was dot dot dot. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson. Uh, I'm joined by uh, my all the time co host, my brother Nate. Hello, and a special run in for Mr. Kyle Army. Hello, the OGs of the We Can't Wrestle podcast are together. Oh, it's um, gonna be good, yes. Um, so if you guys aren't aware of what this show is, it's a chronicle, a chronological breakdown of a particular year in professional wrestling we're discussing 1997 this is the first season i chose this year because it's my in my top two favorite years of wrestling my other one's 89 but um so if um if you're new to the show and you want to follow along chronologically go ahead and stop listening to this episode and go to episode one um and if you're a continued listener um, all six of you, I appreciate it. And um, we are coming out of SummerSlam, <clears throat> Nate, as Nate and I discussed, um, and Mark as well. Last week, we all had the consensus that this was a uh, phenomenal show. Um, only one really bad match. Other than that, everything on it was well done. Um, obviously, the big news coming out of the show is that Bret Hart is the new WWF champion. And Steve Austin is the new WWF Intercontinental Champion, but he is injured. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, yeah. That, like, fuck. Just even going back and watching Come that on. fucking neck injury. Like, like, from that moment on, man, he's on Bardo time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We, like we discussed, he's hurt more than he's not in his entire run as champion and it's it's just it's it's good stuff my only other note that i will throw out there is um i don't know if anybody realizes this from listening to our shows but in our town trains don't run on train time they run on when we record time yes But anyway, every time we record a podcast, like the longest fucking train in America comes through town. And Aaron's dog's bark. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a minute. Give me a minute. (laughs) But yeah, um, fuck. I'll talk about. I'll talk about SummerSlam '97 real quick then. Um, that the pin, just that that scene of fucking Sean looking at Brett. He does the one, two. When we when we discuss when we discussed it last week, I mentioned that's not that's not my favorite main event in in Fair WWE enough. history. It is my favorite main event finish of all time. Yeah, I love a- the finish of that match. The finish of that match is brilliant. It is. It's very good. And just all the moving pieces with Brett, Sean, and Taker, like, yep. Sorry. Good shit, pal. It's good shit. Had the last three hours to let it out, and then we're gonna let it out right when I start. Anyway, that's, that's all right. Um, before we get into Raw, um, I also have a gimmick that I like, and I do it a lot of times for my own amusement. It is using Google Translate to take a professional wrestling theme song and take it and because, you know, 
language is different. It's all the same words, but it's just used different. Um, so I take it from English and translate it to another language and then translate it back into English. And sometimes it's exactly the same. And then sometimes it's just, it's just batshit crazy. Okay. <laughs> sometimes. So with the fact that Billy Gunn's ass man oh, won, my, won my theme song tournament match, he didn't win the entire thing, but ass man made it to the next round. Um, surprisingly, it went over broken out in love the Bray Wyatt, Wyatt family theme. It destroyed it. it like Goldberg, that shit. Uh, yeah, like one person, Nate, voted for it. Yeah, I voted for the Bray. I'm the only one that voted for I'm I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in you listeners. And I like mean, four, I'm the only one in our 400 and some people group that voted for the Bray Wyatt. Thing. And like 14 over, or 15, 14 or 15 people were like, ass man. That's what we're going with. So I decided... Um, if Billy Gun, if Billy Gunn was Hindi, like if he was a Hindu ass man, God, this this would be at this is ass man translated from Hindi into English. Are you guys ready? Yes. Let's hear some ass man, Bubba. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna do the accent because <laughs> I've been told when I read ridiculous things, it's better to do it in my regular voice because apparently I have a monotone voice. But this is this is a uh, title Hindi ass man. Um, so it'll go brant brant, you know, brant And the opening lyric is I'm an ass person. <laughs> da, I'm in the ass. I love that love. I love the rhythm. I love to give. I love to paste. I love paradise. I love to see them. I love to choose I will make more because I'm an ass. Yes, I'm an ass. Yes, I'm an ass. Yes, I'm in the ass. I'm an ass. <laughs> now, it's going to continue. So many butts. So little time. Only a tight one can hang me on the wall. <laughs> All right, so the BDSM has come into play yes, here. I'm I'm a lover, any kind. The best surprises always always sneak in the back. I'm an ass. Yes, I'm an ass. Yes, I'm in the ass. Oh, I'm an ass. And then it's Kalaksaka on Solvit, Khalifa of Steel. Your lies won't reveal the truth about how I feel. You walk behind me. I feel the heat. That's why girls don't follow me down the street. It could be because you want to put them on the wall, but okay. I'm, I'm an ass. Yes, I'm an ass. Yes, I'm in the ass. And then he goes into the chorus again, which is the I love... I love that love. I love that rhythm. I love to give. I love to paste. I love the paradise. I love to see them. I love to choose. I'll make more. I'm an ass. I'm an ass. Yes, I'm in the ass. Wow. <laughs> it's glorious. 
How? Why? Why does he love to paste? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand where paste even comes into it. And I love the line. That's why girls don't follow me down the street. Because <laughs> you're in the ass. I'm in the ass. <laughs> then right at the beginning, he's just like, "I'm an ass person." <laughs> <laughs> he just, just, he just, let's just lead off with what this is about. You're not going to bury not, the lead. Yes, let's not bury the lead. Let's just <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> Yes, I'm in the ass. Oh, so that's 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 Hindi ass man. That's much funnier than Big Boss Man, Bulgarian Boss Man. That one was fun. That one was the best. I was like, I might not be able to do this gimmick anymore because I just think I just. <laughs> just the best ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, now. We'll start the actual pro program. Um, as traditionally we do here, um, whatever pay-per-view we're coming out of, whatever company had the pay-per-view, we lead off with that following show. So we will be discussing the Monday Night Raw um, from August 4th, 1997. Uh, Raw is war. Uh, we're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um the Raw's war opening plays with all the pyro going off and Vince McMahon welcoming us to uh, Raw is war. And then the Hart Foundation is out with the new WWF champion, Bret Hart, obviously leading the way. Um, Jim Ross brings up Bret Hart spitting on HBAK, causing the chair shot to The Undertaker, causing the Hart victory. Um, Hart says you got to suffer for your crimes. Um Bret Hart says everyone should suffer from their crimes. Um, and if you're not suffering, then it must not have been a crime. Basically saying, I didn't do anything wrong in this situation. I spit on a guy and all I all I did was duck a chair shot. You know what I mean? He's like, I didn't throw the chair. I didn't swing the chair. That guy swung the chair. I another, didn't, another, I didn't wrong. Another, another reason, another one of those many reasons why heel Bret Hart is my favorite heel of all time. It's amazing too. Like if you go back and watch like '97 and even like early '98, fuck, even most of '98, like WWF is still sticking to the Northeast. Like they are still not to the point where WCW is at. Where whether 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 he was completely full of shit or not, one of the things that Vince actually told Brett when he told him he was broke and needed to get out of that 20-year deal was that he was going to be scaling back to only being in the Northeast again, just to being, he said, I have my con my TV contract with USA, but I can't even afford to tour that much anymore. So he was going to take it back to being a Northeastern promotion. That's what he told Brett. I don't know how close he was to that, you know, financial peril, but. I think he was, but I don't think anybody understood just how big Austin was going to be. Right. He was, I, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, I'm just saying, I mean, like, that, and again, it's not, it didn't happen until Austin broke his neck. Because, honestly, up until then, yeah, he was a great worker, but he wasn't, it's this is what made him the defiant mm -hmm. baby face that he was. What I think it was, honestly, is, I think Vince had money in the bank, but he had that Bret Hart contract. So a lot of that money 
was like, okay, things aren't going great, but I got this big contract and I have to take care of Brett. I got to get rid of Brett. So that will open up these funds to do other things. You know what I mean? Because as soon as he fires Brett or as soon as he lets Brett out of his contract, he basically brings Mike Tyson in for almost the same amount of money that he was given Brett over 20 years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it was like, I got to get rid of Brett. Now I got this money. I got Tyson. Here you go, Mike. And he took a gamble with Mike and it paid off. And we'll you get did. I mean, I was going to say we'll get there, but we never will unless I do 98. But I think that's what it was. I just think he was like, I can't, I can't not afford to get rid of Brett. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look at your, you gotta look at your, uh, you gotta look at your, um, uh, balance sheet, you know, look at your, look at your ledger. (laughs) And and the money coming in isn't going up, but the money I have is here. Eventually it's going to catch up to here and I'm going to be wearing the fucking fern gardens again. I'm not doing it. And I'm I'm not, (laughs) not trying to say, I don't know. If, if Goldberg hadn't kicked Brett in the, in the head and gave him the concussion that ended his career, I don't know how much longer Brett would have gone. Yeah, I well, think he, I he think would have wound up back there. I think if he wouldn't have gotten that concussion, he wouldn't have held his guns so long against Vince. Actually, I think he would have went back probably within a couple of years. Oh, other wow. than you know, because the concussion gave him the, the thing to to be able to say, "Well, I can't justify going back." wrestle anyway but i think if he would still have been able to wrestle i think he'd have been back in the wwf by wrestlemania 19 <laughs> yeah and um the other thing too is when he signed brett to that contract he signed brett that contract in night in what 96 like the beginning of 96 yep. october of 96 actually well yeah. and, and and it was like at that point we can't afford to lose brett you know what i mean no, absolutely. It wasn't by was this like, time, by this time, all these other guys that were just kind of there are starting to like become something. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Mick's starting to get over, and Hunter's starting to get over, and Shamrock's here now. It's like there's other people now. It's not just Brett and Sean and and Diesel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he had other options. And here's the other thing too, like with Brett, like it's not like Brett was. Like he, we say, he was screwed, but he goes to WCW to make ridiculous money there. I mean, that was the point. Was Vince opened it up for him to negotiate with WCW because he's like, "Look, I can't afford you." Yeah, WCW, right. you know, they've got Turner's money. Go get it while you can. Yeah, and and and, and like and I said, Brett, we, just being a crybaby about it. Yeah, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll it was all right discussing it, but um. That, that's yeah. down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, Brett said that he's not a he. He's he doesn't feel guilty because he's not. And um, he also says, "Do you get basically? Do you realize what I did last night? I fought against. I fought against the man from the dark side, the dead man, the unstoppable Undertaker, and a crooked referee. <laughs> I overcame all the obstacles. I'm the man. Like I." I Last night, everything was against me, and I still came out on top. I'm the because I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Shitty smirk. It's yeah, and it's fantastic. It, it, it's 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 an it's an artistry promo. 
and it shows that if you let guys that know what they're doing talk and be their characters, they can do a good fucking job. Because nobody wrote that for Brett. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. He came up with with that himself. Um, like I know Vince Rousseau didn't write it because it had like proper grammar and stuff. So, <laughs> um. He then says that the WWF has gone back on their word because HBK showed favoritism during the match, so he should be banned from wrestling in the United States. Um, and then Jim Ross mentions that the Patriot uh, gets a shot at ground zero and says, um, so then uh, Bret Hart um, Bret Hart says he doesn't understand why he's fighting the Patriot, this, that, and the other thing. Um, he doesn't know who made this decision, yada, yada, yada. Um, Hart says that Patriot pinning him last week was a fluke, and he sucks, basically. Um, and then Hart says that Ken Shamrock gets no more shots, and um, Brian Pillman won't be – he gets – like, Bret Hart says, like, Ken Shamrock gets no more shots at the Bulldog. Bret's basically saying he's running the place now because he's the champ, you know? Right. So he's he's decided that that Bulldog doesn't have to defend against Ken Shamrock ever again. Uh, Brian Pillman won't be wearing a dress because he was cheated. And then Owen Hart gets to cut his own promo, um, saying that Steve Austin didn't beat him at SummerSlam. He beat himself. He's like, I lost him. I lost to myself. And you know why, Nate and Kyle? Do you know why? You know why Owen beat himself? Because he had pity. He had com- his word, compassion. I had compassion. Um, and um, says that that caused him to lose to that crippled up freak, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and he demands, a, he demands a title match tonight. Yes. He wants his shot. Good man, Owen. Yes. <laughs> and then Jim Ross introduces us to the man that has made the decision that Patriot will get the shot at ground zero. Our new commissioner, WWF commissioner, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter is back. Um, And the fans are into it. I mean, how many, it was only what? Seven, 17 years ago that he was the man in Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? In that area. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Time I see Sergeant Slaughter, I'm like, didn't this guy wasn't he best friends with Saddam? Please, <laughs> nobody forget that he was an Iraqi sympathizer, but he wanted his country back and he apologized, so everything's okay. <laughs> okay, that's how it works. <coughs> he burned Hulk Mania shirt. No, it was supposed to. Supposed to be an American flag, and they were like, "No." <laughs> Slaughter was like, "No, <laughs> I ain't doing that." Um, nope. So Sergeant Slaughter comes out. Um, Slaughter informed him that he's the one that decided that he has to defend against the Patriot at Ground Zero. Um, and then Brett's like, "Who do you ever beat?" And Slaughter's like, "Well, you. He beat you, <laughs> so that's why." And then he tells. Um, he tells Brian Pillman that he will be wearing the dress um, tonight or he will um, be suspended and that Owen gets another shot when Stone Cold says so. 
And then Stone Cold comes out and he wants to fight right now. He says Owen is a born loser and um, he'll fight Owen against doctor's orders whenever he wants. So there we go. Um, so long opening segment, but it didn't it didn't feel like it dragged and it accomplished a lot. Let us know going forward that, you know, Brett's our champ. Owen and Austin was an over. Slaughter's our new commissioner. They they did a lot in like 20 minutes or whatever. I, I enjoyed it. And I hope I described it good. I don't know. So anybody else got anything on that? It's just, you know, it's, it was a, fa- a good effective way to set the stage for headed toward ground zero now. You know, SummerSlam's in the in the taillights and it's time to move on. Move on, get going. Um so um the next thing we get is um Nate's favorite thing going on right now. Um it's the Nation of Domination cutting a promo about the DOA and Los Moliquas. So that's Ooh. still uh, and by the way, Nate, I uh just finished up watching two thousand or nineteen ninety seven, like the last two shows, December 29th. WCW Nitro, WWF Raw, and guess what? There's a Long Island street fight between the Nation of Turn and the Los and the DOA. So it goes into December. <laughs> Just so you know. And they've been feuding since July. So there you go. Um, well, Survivor Series is nothing but it's all about gang's rule. Yeah. <laughs> so then our opening match. Um, is Ken Shamrock will be facing Kama Mustafa. Uh, okay. Shamrock comes out. Um, Kama Mustafa's coming out with the Nation of Domination. Um, Sergeant Slaughter comes out and makes the Nation of Domination leave the ringside area. And then later on in the match, uh, Miguel and Jose attack Kama at ringside. Shamrock gets the belly to belly for the victory. Obviously Shamrock didn't see the attack. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't in on it or anything. Right. But that's just how it goes. So quick little Sorry. thing. Quick little thing. Nothing bad. Nothing good. Just sh- getting Shamrock over and continuing the uh the feud of the the decade. <laughs> it seems you know, like it lasted a decade. <laughs> you know what's what's weird is like they had it. Didn't they have him like call out Mike Tyson too? Uh, right around. I thought they had done something with like Mike. It was, it was back around the time. Yeah, it was back around the time when he first came in when he was doing that stuff with Vader. Oh, they yeah. were mentioning Mike Tyson. Yeah. But I think Dude. at that at that time, Tyson like Don King was floating shit to WWF and WCW, so there oh. was nothing. There was nothing firm, you know. Which, yeah, I, think, I think Bischoff went with, with Rodman instead of Mike Tyson or something. Like, fair really? enough. Rodman, <laughs> fucking beanpole. This is Mike Tyson, but whatever. Um, then we get a uh, Brockus promo. In this promo, Brockus is cutting a promo on uh, um, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The only reason we know that is because he's, he's speaking whatever Brockus speaks and the only thing I understand is is he's German, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's speaking German, cutting a promo, um, and uh, it's on Triple H. Um, it's not Triple H yet, but he cuts it on 
on Hunter's Tombsley or however he says it. Um, so that's how that goes. Imagine if Brockus would have went to WCW. They could have had a Brockus Goldberg feud. Oh, yeah, that would have been fun to watch. The evil German versus Goldberg. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> And I just, I just thought of that. I don't know why. Like I was thinking, like I was like, who else? I was like, oh, Barry Horowitz isn't around anymore. Can't cut a promo on Barry Horowitz. I don't think the WWF had any. You know, you know what's known to people. You know what's funny? In a different timeline, there is a Goldberg that has the star of David tattooed on his arm, and it's on his shorts instead of his beer logo or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Comes out to Havan Nagila. Yeah. Boy, I'm undefeated. Same thing, though. He comes from the, the locker room with the. Oh, it's all the intensity, but it's just Havan Nagila. And they have him on the chair instead. Oh, that's when he wins the belt. <laughs> the fire, the fireworks are coming out of a menorah. Oh, awesome. Um,. And then uh, Sunny comes out, and she is wearing a tiny white dress with knee-high boots, and it is fantastic. Um, I wrote in brackets, uh, boner alert. And uh, she is our guest ring announcer. That is literally Sunny's job. Like she has no other job in the WWF right now because they don't have they don't have her managing anybody right now or anything like that. She is literally the ring announcer. Anytime there is a midget match, yep, or a light heavyweight match, that is her gimmick. So that's what she does, and there is absolutely nothing. I'm not knocking it. it, it it's kind of Nate. It's exactly what I what I say every week about the Nitro Girls. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's there, uh, there's a, there's adult like with the Nitro Girls. There's going to be a dull point in this match where the commentators have to talk about what's going on. Sprinkles on the ice cream. Out. So so sprink so send the Nitro Girls out there to keep the crowd preoccupied while we talk about the big feud between Mongo and Goldberg. And um, this is the same thing here. It's like we don't know if anybody's going to react to these lightweights, so we need some kind of reaction. Let's send Sunny out there. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so it's not a complete lack of reaction. Um, but you this one, you, you think you could get off of Sean's dick for five minutes, <laughs> come out of here and fucking do something to justify this goddamn paycheck? But this isn't one of those lightweight matches that isn't going to get any reaction because um, it is uh, Taka Michinoku versus Brian Christopher and Taka Michinoku. Um, if you guys, if you listeners don't, um, haven't been watching or whatever, or aren't watching along with us, he was instantly over with the WWF crowd. Yep. Like immediately for one, um, how do I want to say it? Like there wasn't another guy like talking. It was almost like Ray and I'm not saying he's as good as Ray. Okay. But it's almost like the equivalent of a when Ray showed up because there wasn't anybody like there wasn't anybody doing what Ray was doing. You know what I mean? Yep. Like even the other luchadors. And when Taka showed up, there wasn't anybody that was doing what that motherfucker was doing. That 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 in today's day and age, it wouldn't be looked at as anything great. 
by like a wrestling fan watching like us, we still appreciate it. But like some kid that started watching like 2016 would not appreciate as much as I do watching Taka run across the ring, jump out of the top rope and then jump off to the, and then press his body into the guy on the ground. That, that Taka suicide crazy ass dive. That is an insane move. And nobody was doing shit like that. And there is no way anybody can argue with me that they made the right fucking choice telling Sasuke to hit the bricks. We're going to go with Taka. You know what I mean? He had the right attitude. He, he what, and it was just good. Um, I don't know if that, if that rant made any sense or, yeah, no, absolutely. or whatever, but that's just what I think. Um, but they are telling a good story in the match because Christopher is being obviously he's not the largest guy in the world, but he's bigger than Taka. So um, they're doing somewhat of a big man, little man thing. Um, um, then he hits a, he goes for a super flex and um, rolls over to another one, but Taka hooks his legs. Um, so basically he's going to try to do what we would now know is like a, a, a three amigos to Taka, but Taka ends up hooking his legs and getting uh, Christopher into a roll up and pins him. So Taka's your winner. And then post match, uh, Brian Christopher attacks Taka and left him laid out. Um, and then um, I, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but. And God bless Jerry. He tried to make Brian get him over, but it just—I—I I actually am a fan of Brian Christopher. I liked him and, and like when it—well, it, yeah, it was a—it was a different gimmick, and and obviously, but um, he was just trying to be his dad too much, well, kinda. The thing I respect about Lawler is that he didn't want Brian to use his last name. And it wasn't on the show. It was like, because I didn't want you to. But Lawler um, told Brian that he didn't want um, Brian to use his last name. Um, not because he was ashamed of him, but because he didn't think he deserved If Brian got good he and got over in the business, he didn't think he cre- he deserved it because he wasn't a good father. Right. But he was like, I don't, I don't want people to assume that I made you what you are because I, I didn't like you, anything you did, you did on your own. Cause, cause Lawler said, I told him I was a shitty dad and that's just how it was. So, and, and Brian unfortunately lived, a, lived a rough life towards the end, but it is what it is. It's like polar opposite of his dad. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you always hear that. Like, I don't want to say I always hear that, but, how many times did I? I don't know, but I don't, I don't want to get into that because I don't want to yeah. speak about shit I don't know. But it's like your dad's a teetotaler and you're this guy, you know, and it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's crazy. And I I just always enjoyed Brian Christopher. And, and obviously, Too Cool was, was better than Too Sexy Brian Christopher, but it's because it was a, a kooky, crazy gimmick. And it was there. The WWF. The WWF or WWE, whatever you want to call it now, always has the always has their bushwhackers, you know. Yep. yep. At one point, the headbangers were their bushwhackers, and then the headbangers peel out, and you get too cool, and it, whatever. But 
I don't know who this era's bushwhackers would be, but well, it was gonna. It was, it was to me. It was gonna be the Usos until they stepped it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, come on, coming out with the face paint, doing the fucking dance and everything. I mean, that's that's Vince McMahon 101. So then the next match we get. Um, oh, sorry. Did I mention the Slaughter Pillman segment again? No. Pillman's refusing to come out of the locker room. He won't <laughs> wear the dress. He won't wear the dress. And Slaughter once again tells him, you, you wear the dress or you're suspended. Pillman. Pillman's pissed off. Um, then we get Vader with Paul Bearer versus uh, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China. Um, it, Vader starts with a body shot on Triple H. It goes back and forth. Um, Bearer ends up um, um, tripping up on Hunter, and then China. Um, <laughs> she China drop kicks Paul Bearer, and Paul Bearer rolls to the ground, hitting his head on the guardrail. It's 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 a sight to be seen. <laughs> Moody at that weight attempted a bump off of a drop kick and just ah. hit his head. Like, <laughs> like she did nothing wrong, you know what I mean? Like I guarantee when he got to the back, he was like, God damn it hurt, and she probably <laughs> felt bad, and he was like, I was me. <laughs> like they should like William Moody at this point should not be doing any kind of bumps. <laughs> Except for except for when <laughs> it's the raw that uh, that Sean it's like the union takes over and Sean books Paul Bear versus Big Show and he fucking paints. <laughs> well, that's, that's him doing it to himself. This is him trying to. I know. I'm just saying that that oh that was so good. It's him trying to do like a flat back or whatever. Why is gonna work? Your but, back is not flat, Paul. Nothing about nothing about you is flat, Paul. <laughs> I feel bad for Vader at this point, man. He's just we've, dis- we've discussed it on previous episodes. You get to a point in later '97 where they have just completely given up on him. Well, and he's and, given too. There's been I've seen pay per views in Rawls where the dude came out with his fucking singlet on backwards. Right. Just and it's like, well, what do you do with that? You know? Yeah. It's just... I, I mean, it doesn't help when you have, like, Sean basically call you out on pay-per-view in front it of... Does, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like one of the things that's never made sense to me. This guy should be a guy that Vince McMahon would just be orgasmic for. You know what I mean? What ha- what happened what happened to now what happened what happened to him was the same thing that happened to Bam Bam. It was the people that Vince liked, i.e. Shawn Michaels telling him Vader wasn't any good and Vince taking the word for it. It just it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And nobody nobody stood up for him that had any clout. You know, so yeah. And then I also also thought, and you're probably right too. But I've also heard that um, 
people can say whatever they want to say about Bruce Pritchard, you know, being like a WWF or WWE, everything WWE does is right, you know. It's kind of like we were talking about with Cornette, you know, they can't do anything right. Well, Pritchard's the opposite side where everything they do is right, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I will say sometimes what he's saying is bullshit. Like when he's like, "Oh, putting Dusty in the polka dots that wasn't a that wasn't a rib." It's like, "Come ah, on." That was I, a rib. You know, or oh, doing this or doing that that wasn't a rib. But I will um believe when he talks about the personality and little piccadillies of of uh Vince. You know what I mean? Cuz is there a guy alive now that knows Vince better than Bruce Prichard? Yeah, you know, and he always said that that like Vince had a shelf life with people pushing guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if he would say no a couple times, eventually, no matter what, that guy would never be able to unbury himself. You know what I mean? If Vince would say no, I don't want to do anything with that guy. No, I don't want to do anything. I don't see it. I don't see it. And if they just kept bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up, he would finally just be like, "Fuck it!" And no matter what that guy could do they would never be able to dig themselves out. And I think that might've happened with Vader too. Cause you had Jim Cornette and Jim Ross in his ear all the time about him too. You know yeah. what I mean? So he might've got sick of hearing about the fucking guy. And then he got, then Vader got fat and he was probably fat because he was depressed. Because <laughs> he went from being the fucking most over big guy in the fucking business to what he became in the WWF. I- I want to bring. I want to. I want to say something about the polka dots real quick because I've always wanted to bring this up. I don't think the polka dots were a rib because what else was going on when Dusty Rhodes came into the WWF? There happened to be a fucking singer by the name of Ozzy Osbourne who had a fucking guitar player named Randy Rhodes, and Randy Rhodes was famous because he played a black guitar with yellow. Polka. You can't tell me Vince McMahon didn't see that fucking guitar and be like, that is... I don't know if Vince McMahon knows who Ozzy Osbourne is now. <laughs> well, now. I'm sure Ozzy doesn't know who Vince is either, but... <laughs> say it. I, I don't know. But... Um, then um, we get uh, Del Welks, the Patriot, who is a hell of an athlete, great build... Everything, but what was his not strong suit? Promos. He did not cut good promos. And um, well, and the mask didn't help because I can understand, like over in Japan, why you would have that. You know, they're more used to that style. They're more used to. You come over here, and people are like, "What? <laughs> what? He's just a patriot? Like we've got well, Tom." Mike- over here telling people to suck it and then we got this other guy that's well Vince Kurt Angle but I, I don't know if he it was play it like Kurt Angle. I don't know if it was necessarily Vince or Jim Ross, Jim Cornette collection of them all. Um I know where they were going with it because they, they even they even show his face and shit in like promo like vignettes for him and everything and they call him Del Welks and this that and everything and um I heard him talk about it what they were going to eventually supposedly do with him was he was going to be Del Welks and he would cut, they were planning on him um, cutting promos as Del Welks and this, that and everything coming out to the ring without his mask on. And then before the match would start, he would put on the mask 
and okay. being patriot. And now, now he's not Del Wilkes in the ring. He's he, he's 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 America. He's fighting for America. That was gonna be what they were gonna eventually do with him. But he was already fucking hurt before he got there, and on drugs. And I'm not I'm not saying anything that, right. that I didn't say before he passed away or whatever. But that that that's from what I understand where they were planning on going with the Patriot. Then I, eventually they were probably not even having had the mask, but that was that. Vince doesn't like masks. No. Um, Nate, you got anything? Nope. All right. Uh, Patriot comes out. Um, he's got Kurt Angle's music. It's not Kurt Angle's music yet, but it is the same music that Kurt Angle uses now. Um, and he is fighting the Sultan, who's with the Iron Sheik. Um, Sultan attacks Patriot at the start of the match. Um, Del Welks then hits um, one of the dumbest names of a finish ever. Do you guys remember what it was? Of course. It's the Uncle it Slam. The Uncle Slam. That's this man, man is wondering, why in the fuck am I losing to WCW? I don't know. You have the goddamn Patriot versus the Sultan. <laughs> and I guarantee, I guarantee Vince McMahon was like, it's a great move, pal. We're going oh, to call, call it the Uncle Slam. God damn it. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, um, and then... Um, um, post match, uh, the Heart Foundation come out, um, um, and Brett is is leading the way, but he's confident because he has the Heart Foundation with him behind him. But he's not looking behind him, and he doesn't see that Slaughter brings out officials and they stop everyone but Brett. So Brett's continuing to walk to the ring, not realizing that he doesn't have any backup, and um, they end up in a brawl. And they have to pull the Patriot and Bret Hart apart. So it was a little cool little visual of Bret being the cocky heel. Like, oh, we're going to go kick the shit out of this guy. And then realizing that he doesn't have anybody, but it's too late. Because if he runs away now, he's looks like a fucking coward. So he has to go into the fight. And it ends up getting pulled apart. So that's how that goes. My, my thing is, anytime I've... Like, I remember watching this as it happened. And it was just like... I'm like, okay, well, obviously, it's the Patriots just here for just to put Brett over to, to, you know, give time between Sean and it's like, yeah. Okay, man, this guy's really going to come in and win the world title. Okay. Oh yeah. Patriot was a placeholder and it is what it is, but, um, so that's how that goes. I think they could have done more with him. They could have done it better. You know what I'm saying? Like, have Brett run down America and then have Del Wills come out and be like, you know, I don't know, wherever town he's from, like where he actually lives. But let's say it's fucking Cleveland and he's like, oh, fuck this town. And they're like, that's Del Wilkes. He's, you know, but well, I, I think it goes up and they're like, yep, this is this is USA guy. <laughs> Yeah, but like I'm not gonna completely blame the WWF for the Patriot because like I said, Del Wilkes um went on record as saying that he lied to the WWF and didn't tell him about his shoulder injury or anything like that. And um 
I said it a little bit ago. He didn't he didn't have the strongest promo abilities or whatever. And I think when he got there, it was like he's sluggish. I mean, he looks good, but he's hurt. And I don't think Bret Hart. How do I say it? Did him any favors? Well, no, I don't think Del Welks did himself any favors. Oh. And I don't think Del Welts trying to cut promos against guys like Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels. It's like, this ain't going to work. This guy's going to be lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it worked. Like Nate says, a lot of times it worked for Sid because he was crazy, you know? And kind of the same thing with Ken, you know? Ken could talk a little, could could sound a little off with his promos, but it's like he, he's in the zone. He's intense. He doesn't yeah. know what he's saying. He's out of his fucking mind. This guy's supposed to be the, the all-American hero, and he's fucking, let me tell you something. You know what I mean? It's like, eh, it doesn't work. Who, who's, who's worse, Luger or Sid? Um, Luger. See, that's the thing, like, Sid had had Sean and Nash's friends to always look out for him. Yep. Luger didn't, you know, and and Luger Luger was trying. <laughs> like that's the other yeah. thing. Like, like like he 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 tried to pretend to be something that he wasn't with his promo. Sid embraced it. So that's yeah. how I feel. Sid going, can I start over? We're live, buddy. We're live, pal. <laughs> It like it didn't seem like it was bad because he was in fucking insane. But anyway, um, then we get Vince McMahon and he is going to interview Shawn Michaels. And I've been saying this since the beginning of the show. So Nate knows what I'm about to say. Typically, Vince interviewing Shawn is babyface Shawn being interviewed by babyface Vince. And it is like... Seven minutes of Vince just like verbally filleting Shawn Michaels. Okay. Yep. And then if Shawn does something like crazy, like crazy, and Vince is going to laugh and be like, ah, Shawn. Yeah. Got attitude. And before I didn't realize, I didn't think they realized it, but watching this one, I think they realized it. Like, because this is what happens. Um, Vince McMahon interviews HBK about his officiating last night. At SummerSlam. Um, and Vince is trying to talk, and HBK tells Vince to shut up and says everyone's dumping on him and not taking responsibility for themselves. Um, HBK says he called it right down the middle. Vince McMahon then asks HBK if he was in, co- in cahoots. Vince likes that word. Um, if he's in cahoots with uh, Bret Hart, and then um, Vince McMahon, like I said, Vince McMahon asks if he's in cahoots. And then HBK says, you really are a dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> and then Vince McMahon says, good luck with The Undertaker. And like throws the mic at him and walks away. Like Vince is done now. Like, like, Sorry. <laughs> Just thinking about the whole cahoots thing. You're right. Like even like Kane and Undertaker, this blood feud. He's like, you tell me, are you and your brother in cahoots? cahoots. Like, he likes yeah. the word. He likes the word cahoots. <laughs> but I like the fact that that Vince is like, he's good luck with the Undertaker, and he walks away like my rent boys turned against me. <laughs> 
and he leaves. So they're now broke up. Um, <laughs> no. And then HBK talks more shit about Bret Hart, and he mentions that he's never crossed paths with The Undertaker until now. And I didn't even... I, I tried to look back, and I'm like, that's actually a truthful statement mm-hmm. by the WWF. Usually, like, WWF, even if, it, even if it happened, they just pretend it didn't. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Andre's never been beat, or... Hogan and Andre have never wrestled each other before. This is the first time. I'm just using that as an example. And I got no problem with it. It's fucking storytelling, whatever, you know, but this is, this is a factual thing. These guys have never had anything to do with each other, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. Cause is what, cause Taker comes in 90 Sean's in like what he starts to, really get over about 93 and their past just that's crazy yeah like taker was never gonna be sniffing around the intercontinental title you know what i mean so it just it just never happened and and now it is um and then uh he doesn't he doesn't disrespect the undertaker because he's smart enough to know like not to do that but he just says that you know i don't lay down for anybody and i don't think you can take me taker and if it happens, it happens. But basically, I don't lay down for anybody. And then um, the Undertaker comes out to the arena, and HBK just bolts. Like he gets out of there. He's like, "Nope, I'm not gonna have anything to do with that." Um, so, unless you guys got anything on that, that's um, a pretty well done promo. A great piece to go back to. Also, at this time, is to go back and watch Wrestling with Shadows. Because that this that like this whole time, because there's like that point in the movie where Brett's like, "What the fuck? Like I'm supposed to be the biggest heel, and now Sean's a heel, and take you know." And this is when it happens. Yep, and it, it's just it's crazy. Like I said, there's just so much footage on it, and it's Brett being kind of a whiner, and he's one of my favorites. And he's like, "Oh." I was the number one baby face and now they've given that to Taker and I'm supposed to be the number one heel and now Sean's going to come in there and scoop my heat. Yeah, it's That's like, well, the biggest problem with Brett Rise up, buddy. Exactly. Like I understand that you're pissed off about WWF and what happened, but like you can, no one can tell me that Bret Hart went to WCW and put his fucking all into that. I mean, they're booking aside, but st- you know, right? But I mean, yeah, that's for another day. But yeah, it's like it's like uh, I want to say it like when Nash talks about when Taker cut through the cut through the mat and like pulled mm. Diesel down to hell or whatever, and Brett's like, "Well, what what what's that do for me or whatever?" And Undertaker got pissed and was like, "It's not all about you all the time, fucking Brett." It's like, shut the fuck up. Just be a team player, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway, um, now McMahon is going to interview The Undertaker, and um, then Taker says that um, he's done talking. He doesn't want to talk anymore. He's done with it. And basically says he's going to start beating some fucking ass. He obviously doesn't say that, but like, he says he basically he's saying that he's going back to like the old Undertaker, you know what I mean? Less mm-hmm. talk, more more walk, you know. And um, says he's going to start with HBK, 
And then um, Paul Bearer comes out and says he's been talking to Kane and Kane is ready to come back and face the Undertaker after 20 years. Um, and then um, Taker goes to leave, but the lights turn red and all this shit. And it's just, it's foreshadowing, foreshadowing Kane. Right. Here's what I don't understand. Do we, do we know why Undertaker was so his gimmick? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it wasn't a great thing, but like, imagine if he had went to like the American Badass in 97, 98. It wouldn't have worked with Kane because it was supposed to be these two. Well, but if you still could, could have had Kane be the supernatural force and Taker just be a man. And then my, my point is that. Like, this is cool, but look how quickly it goes to the satanic stupid shit that they did with the Ministry of Darkness. And it just gets... Vince Rousseau got his fucking grubby little nubs on it. Yeah. When Pritchard Pritchard was writing it, it was good shit. True. Um, The next match we get is more Nation of Domination versus DOA bullshit. Um... Ahmed Johnson with the Nation of Domination versus Chains with the DOA. Um, um, and as those guys are making their entrance, there's a there's a pre-tape of Slaughter um, talking to the doctor who says Steve Austin shouldn't wrestle tonight. Um, then Slaughter comes out and sends all of the DOA and the NOD away from ringside. Um and as the match is going on, the Los Burritos come out. And, um, yeah, I wrote down Los Burritos. I, just, I don't know how to spell Barriquas, so Burritos. Um, and they come out, and they're fucking with Chain's bike, um, which distracts Chain's, allowing Johnson to get his Pearl River plunge. And he scores the pinfall. And then um, the DOA come out, and they chase away the Barriquas. Um and then the Nation of Domination then surround Ahmed Johnson as protection, supposedly, but they turn on Ahmed Johnson and leave him laying. So Johnson's, what, like three weeks with the Nation of Domination is over. So that has that's how that went. So there you go. None of, none of this is good. <laughs> no. Well, and they couldn't even get like Harley Davidson. <laughs> Goddamn motorcycles! They had what was it like? Triumph? They called them. They called them Titan. The Titan bikes. Titan. That's right. Those Titan. Yeah. So that's how that went. Um. Then we get the Godwins versus the Headbangers. Um. They mentioned that Steve Austin has been banned from wrestling by Sergeant Slaughter because he's not healthy enough, and will be replaced by Dude Love. Um. Mosh um, rolls up Phineas, but the referee was distracted, and um, Henry hit Mosh with the slot drop, allowing um, Phineas to roll up Mosh for the pinfall. The winners are um, um, the Godwins, and then Gold Dust <coughs> and uh, Marlena come out and sit in the front row because they want a front row seat to watch Brian Pillman have to wrestle in drag. So that's how that segment went. Okay. 
I don't I don't have a lot on the Godwins versus the Headbangers. It's yeah. just there. It's just there to pass time. Yeah. What's WCW doing? I'll let you know in a minute. <laughs> um. Then we get Bob Holly, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Yeah. Um, he's going to be Brian Pillman's first um, opponent where he has to wrestle in drag. Um, Jim Ross does a really good job here because he says that everybody's laughing and having a good time at the fact that Brian Pillman is having to wrestle in this dress, but they don't realize that um, Brian Pillman's insane. And you guys are like pushing him over the limit. Like if you thought he was crazy before forcing him to wear this dress is going to make everything worse. Which is exactly where they didn't go with the storyline, but should have. Yeah, well, they didn't get time. No, I'm talking about the fact that they went into the whole Marlena being his slave. or like That's not where this should have went. It should have went exactly what Jim Ross just outlined there. It should have went to this dress is pushing this crazy man even to be even crazier. Yeah. Like. The, the whole Brian Pillman's X-Files and stuff just is not appealing at all. So, anyway, that's just my opinion. Um, during the match, um, Holly pulls up the dress and spanks Pillman while Goldust and Marlena laugh. Um, and he gets distracted by Goldust at ringside and is arguing with them, and he ends up getting counted out. So, Bob Holly... Has won by a count out. So that's how that went. Um, I also failed to mention, sorry, and that's my fault. Um, Slaughter also stated that Pillman has to wear the, it's it's not just a one-off. He can't, he can't take the dress off until he wins a match. So that's what's going on there. Um, so I apologize for missing that. Um after the after the break, uh, Bret Hart and Vince McMahon are arguing because um, he's decided to sit in on commentary during this match, um, and it's Owen Hart versus Dude Love. Uh, Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart are now agreeing with each other. They're friends now. Um, Austin's shown watching from the locker room. Vince argues with Bret about um, his defeat with the Undertaker at Survivor at SummerSlam. Usually, I don't talk about commentary, but they're doing story in this. So that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, Vince is arguing with Brett about his uh, defeat uh, over Taker at SummerSlam because Brett's saying, like, you know, it was all him. He did it himself, overcame everything. Um, during the match, Dude Love tries to elbow Owen on the ramp, but Owen moves. Um, and then Bulldog comes out, which distracts the ref as Dude um, gets knocked outside the ring. Bret Hart attacks Dude Love on the floor. Owen traps the dude in the sharpshooter, but then Austin comes out and confronts Bret Hart. Owen gets distracted by that, and um, like Owen sticks his head through the ropes to like yell at Austin to leave Bret alone, and um, Austin hits um, Owen with one of his slammies, and dude rolls him up um, and pins him one, two, three. Dude loved the winner via pinfall. And then Dude Love gets attacked by the ladies, as he typically does. And that is how the show goes off the air. So it's a pretty good Raw, I think. I agree. As most 97 Raws are, but yeah. yeah. 
kept the momentum going from SummerSlam, resetting everything going into Ground Zero. Not really any misses other than the, the DOA, NOD, Bariqua stuff. Everything, everything worked. It was all good. I agree. You guys ready to ready to discuss Nitro? Nitro clips along quicker than Raw does. I'll tell you that much. Always does every week. Because Nitro, there's a reason why Nitro was yeah, and, show for 83 weeks. I mean, I'm saying with notes, it just there's not uh, as as much to talk about except Nate will be fired up by the end of this. <laughs> um. So now we're going to go ahead and uh, we've watched Raw live and uh, decided to uh, to uh, tape Nitro while Raw is going on. Raw is over, so now we're gonna we're gonna rewind the tape and we're gonna watch it on VHS. That's what you would have had to do in '97, um, unless you had you two know, TVs on at the same time. You know and, what I used to do? I used to watch Raw live. And then I would tape Nitro after because TNT would play Monday Night Nitro at 11 p.m. Or midnight, one of the two. But we had a fancy VCR where you could tape something you weren't watching at the time. Um, with the little blue screen and the white, white, white God, letters and numbers. Still. <laughs> that must have been fucking the king among men. <laughs> Thank you for coming down with the commoners. Today. We did it. We did it. We didn't have uh, our mother didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. But one thing our mo- mother always invested in was anything having to do with television. Yes. Here's so yeah. I want to tape my soaps and you boys keep changing the channel. <laughs> before we had that VCR, she would say before we even left for school, do not change that channel. Do something else. Because if we would change the channel and and. And the fucking go home of guiding light, it would be there would be hell to pay. So now we're moving, like I said, we're moving into Nitro. Um, it's in Detroit, Michigan. Um, Michael Buffer kicks off the show um, with his "Let's Get Ready to Rumble" thing, and Tony informs us that uh, this is the hundredth episode of Nitro, and this is their first time where they've done the. Uh, they're going three hours tonight. It's a three-hour Nitro. Oh, Christ. And Nitro goes three hours. It feels like 300 hours. But um, How much did Michael Buffer get paid to do Let's Get Ready to Rumble? I wouldn't be surprised if he'd get 50 grand to do it. Jesus. Can you imagine? A good-ass chunk, I'll tell you that. Um, so we get Hollywood Hogan and Eric Bischoff come out to the arena. Um Hogan cuts a promo and says that WCW fiddled with contracts to get Luger his shot early because Luger's supposed to be facing um, Hogan at Sturgis this Sunday for the w- for the WCW championship, but it's happening yeah. tonight. Um, but he said it still doesn't matter because he's basically going to beat Luger tonight anyway. So, no, this isn't the Nitro. Of, huh? This isn't the Nitro, is it? Where they hot shotted their Sturgis angle. Not even the Sturgis single, but oh, this is '97, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Yeah. That's why Aaron said I was going to be hot okay. by the time fair we enough. were done with this. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So our opening match is Mortis with James Vandenberg versus Kurt Hennig. Um, um, at one point, um, 
Hennig gets distracted by Vandenberg. They end up on the floor. Hennig ends up knocking out Vandenberg. Then they wind up back in the ring. Hennig gets the perfect plex. Kurt Hennig, one, two, three. Nothing to talk about there, right? Which is bad because you would think that Kurt Hennig and Chris Canyon could have a hell of a match. Yeah, two but the, fucking workers. The yeah, but it was just a, a way to get Kurt on there, and was what it was. And then we get a, a video package about the Sting saga that's going on. Um, then we get a match between Hector and Chavo Guerrero versus Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko with Deborah. Um, the crowd really hates Jeff Jarrett. They're booing him out of the building. And it's not like he's over. It's like X-Pac heat. They don't want to see him. Um, Malenko gets the uh, Texas Cloverleaf on Chavo for the submission victory. So your winners are Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko. You know what's funny is like WCW fans also, they fucking hated Deborah. She yeah. does the WWF and Vince is like, show your titties and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh, it, it, I get what they were trying to do, but again, just anything that, involving Jeff Jarrett, Mongo, and Deborah, I want nothing. That's that's my DOA feud. Is there anything with those guys? I don't want to see it. Um, yeah. When Mean Gene tries to interview Raven again at ringside, um, Stevie says he has a new contract for Raven to sign. Um, and he says that he's been meeting with everyone at WCW and Turner Broadcasting, included, including Ted Turner himself. And he's got Raven a better contract. This time, Raven won't even look at it. And he spits in Stevie's face, knocks him down. But this time, Richards gets back up and stands up for himself. Says he ain't going to take this abuse anymore. And Raven smiles and walks away. I just think I just think it, it brings up a funny visual of Stephen Richards walking into Ted Turner's office in his Daisy Dukes and his cut off t shirt. Those little booty shorts and <laughs> cut off t shirt. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, what is going on here? <laughs> Let's talk turkey, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> is it my birthday? <laughs> um the only other thing I'll say about it is um a lot of these ECW guys wound up there because, I mean, Eric Eric knew about it or what. Like, Eric knew more, I don't want to say, not more about wrestling than Vince McMahon, but he knew more about what was going on outside of his company than Vince McMahon did. But a lot of these ECW guys come in as, as totally Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. And, and he's basically doing the Raven, Stevie Richards, like, whatever that took like two years to develop an ECW and he's trying to do it in the course of like a month and a half. So yeah. Anyway. Um, the next thing we get is the giant. He comes out and um, he is facing the triple threat team of Lenny Lane, Joey Mags and Scott Damore. So, Holy shit. That's who's out there. Um, they get no offense on the giant. Giant choke slams all of them, pins them at the same time. Winner the giant. Randy Savage comes out, cuts a promo on the giant because there's they're going to be facing it at Road Wild, and is talking about how he's going to beat the giant. And but then he ends up backing away when the giant comes 
out to get him. So Randy runs away. So what a fucking horrible pay per view idea. Road wild. <laughs> what are we gonna have? We're just gonna have a bunch of bikers driving their goddamn motorcycle. <laughs> like, how, 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 can I ask a question? How much? Uh, how much in arena revenue is this going to bring in? Oh, none. Absolutely none. Nothing. It's going to bring in nothing. Oh, but it's going uh, uh, to look. It's going to look like we've got the biggest audience in history. Yeah, uh, but but pay per view wise, it, it's it's been deemed successful, correct? In the past. Oh no! Since we've done it, it's been our our least purchased pay per view. By the way, the two three years. We also need fifty grand a pop because Michael Buffer's coming. Yeah. What the hell? Um, but it is what it is. Giant beat these three guys, and the, yep, the giant, the, jet, the giant defeats WCW Pro. Yes. And other than um, when he was um, the the big nasty bastard, right? That was one of Paul's things. He was the nasty bastard. Other than that, this is the best shape he was in in his career. Like, he was fucking huge at this point. Yeah, like early like, like 97 Giant is fucking impressive looking. Is he kind of boring? Yeah, but he's fucking impressive looking. Um, so then we get a WCW Saturday Night promo. Tony Schiavone talking about tune in, watch these guys, and join me in the American Dream Dusty Roads for that. Then we get a music video of Lex Luger. Um, to the WWF hotline music. Um, then we get this is where I'm this is where I'm saying like it's it, 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 it three hour nitros are terrible. Um, the next thing is high voltage versus public enemy. Um, um, the match is, is what it is. Um, They they try to put um, they try to put Rage through a table, but Chaos moved him, so Rocco went through the table. Um, then High Voltage fired up for a double team on Grudge and um, collided instead. And then Grunge ends up rolling up uh, Ronnie Rage for the one two three. And then after the match, oh good sorry, I thought one of you guys said something. Never mind. Nope. Not about this thing. <laughs> All right. And then post-match, uh, High Voltage beat down. Um, they beat down Johnny Grunge and hit him with part of the table. So that's what happened there. It's fucking dumb. Nothing of consequence. Nothing. Um, then Alex Wright, as the Nitro Girls are dancing, he comes out and starts dancing <clears throat> with them and then tries to get in front of them. Um and as he's as he's gyrating in front of the Nitro Girls, Mean Gene Okerlund comes out and matter of fact, matter of factly says, "Knock that off." <laughs> <laughs> like you were ruining this for everybody. Knock that off. That's it was great. really fucking funny. I, I spit out my beer. I was like, "That's funny. knock that off." <laughs> that's the only thing that's good about that Ready to Rumble movie. It's Mean Gene and Oliver Platt. He like stops him. He's like, "Do people think I'm sexy?" He's like, "I do, Gene. I really do." 
Now, Gene, 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 his great straight man comedic timing. Yeah, just knock that off. You're done. He's, I'm shutting this shit down. <laughs> um, and then he interviews him about his upcoming match. Gene tries to interview Alex Wright about his upcoming match and says that Chris Jericho um, is a kitty cat and calls the American people stupid. And then Alex Wright goes into a match um, with Scotty Riggs. And um, Alex Wright ends up hitting a missile drop kick on uh, Riggs for the victory. So that's how we end hour one, Nitro. Oh, Jesus. On that shit, fucking. On that shit, bird. And I like Alex Wright, but this was bad. Other than the knock it off. Knock that off. Other than that, it's was like, what the hell? I like that. I like Alex Wright too, but like I said, the, I don't know. Whenever they did the title switch, with all the with all the cruiserweight talent in this company at this time, to me, this is an odd title reign. Yeah, like of all the people you could put that belt on, why'd they put it on him? I don't. And again, I don't dislike him. I just here's to me. To me, oh, good. Sorry, Cal. My thing is like when I look at Alex Wright. I don't think of Alex Wright as a cruiserweight. You know what I mean? He, he's fucking tall. He's a he's a tall kid, built. You know, it's like I would rather see him as like a TV champion or something. You know, it's like when I think of cruiserweight division, I don't think of Alex Wright. I really don't. Here's my problem with these three: Raw or anything like <clears throat> you watch WCW, and I understand that time. How many times have you seen bullshit shenanigans with this company, with WCW, where they promise you a world title match and then something bullshit happens? Like the bait and switch. And they've done it so much that like you can start to see that the wheels are starting to fall off. Yeah. That's one that's one of the reasons viewers stopped started started to stop watching them was that kind of bullshit yep. i mean the famous one is the, the the uh giant hogan match where robin hood and they like played it throughout the hour episode of that pretending that this match was still going on when that's yeah, dumb shit it's just i don't i don't understand how a company could let that happen yep i mean um, but and then the next thing, it doesn't get as much time as it should. But I put, there's no way this is going to be bad. Um, the next match we get is Six Pac versus Chris Benoit. Um, like I said, they don't get a lot of time because they're on Nitro. But um, I mean, we could have cut a fucking Alex. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Benoit, like, there's only like, Two notes I have, like a couple notes I have in here. Um, the Bronco Buster's always been ridiculous, <laughs> you know? but this one looks gross because it looks even grosser. Because for some, like, I don't know why it looks even grosser, but like Benoit is hung upside down in the ropes, like a trio O type thing, and X Pot gives him like a Bronco Buster looking move. It's like, that's nasty. I don't I don't know why it looked worse, but it did. Well, because uh, Ben Wozniak was the kind of guy that was like, you better fucking bring that Bronco. <laughs> but... 
It's like, but you're upside down. It doesn't matter. We're either doing this or we're coming back and doing indie swats. Why? <laughs> he was like, I I get you so you want me to do you want me to really lay it in with this Bronco Buster? Really lay it in? Really lay it in? <laughs> Sorry. <It's... laughs> yeah. It's him and D'Lo's problem. They have to repeat everything they hear <laughs> 20 seconds after they hear it. But uh, X-Pac, or X-Pac, Six-Pac ends up, um, he misses Swanton. Um, Benoit goes to suplex um, uh, Pac off the top, but Jeff Jarrett attacks. This brings out Mongo, which then also brings out Dean Malenko. So we're getting more, getting more into the... Uh, the old uh, Mongo, Jarrett, Benoit shit. It's just bad. This doesn't work. I don't. I don't care about Mongo and Jarrett. Every time I see those two show up, I'm just like, all right, I've, I have no investment in this segment anymore. Um, the next thing um, is Vincent of the NWO with nobody, which I think is funny because Vincent comes out with all the B guys, but none of the B guys come out with Vincent. <laughs> nobody in the NWO supports Vincent, but Vincent supports everybody, but nobody helps him. Can I um, tell you something? Growing up, I always saw Vincent as like the C guy. <laughs> like, yeah, you had you had like Hulk Hogan and Nash and Hall A squad. Then you had like Stevie Ray, Buff, Scott, which is like the B. And then you had like Scott Norton. And fucking Vincent. Like Vincent. Well, you just they're like, yeah, this, these guys fucked. That's what they're here for. They're just going to get the shit beat out of them. So yeah, it's Vincent versus Booker T. And I wrote, this is why Nitro should be three hours because of epic contests like this. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. This is Booker versus Vincent. Okay, so <laughs> triggered memory. I actually one time while I was watching, while I was watching this, I don't know if I, at some point I was watching this episode or if I was reading something about it, but I actually read a stat once that if if you go if you go and you probably wouldn't even realize it because he's on the show a lot with the NWO Vincent, right? This is actually the first time that Vincent wrestled on a Monday since he wrestled on Raw in 1994. Wait, what? He he was in WCW all this time, but he's never actually wrestled on Nitro. What? Why? So this is the first time that he had wrestled on a Monday night. Now he's wrestled on pay-per-views, he's wrestled on Saturday night, etc. This is the first time he's actually had a match. On a Monday, since he was on a random Raw in 1994. So, I just, how much? How much are we paying this guy? <laughs> like, well, he lost in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, and it's a short ass <laughs> match too. But anyway, that stat just sticks in my head. I don't know yeah, why. It's crazy that you would have. I don't. I just. I don't get it. So Booker ends up winning. Um, mean Gene then interviews DDP, who's without. Kimberly, so I didn't really pay attention. Um, apparently, I think he's fighting Ric Flair tonight. I think I don't know. I wasn't really, wasn't really watching. Just, I don't care about DDP. Um, 
Then we get the Barbarian versus Wrath with James Vandenberg. Um, God damn it, guys. This is ridiculous. I mean... I'll say this. Um, Barbarian is in my top 30 favorite wrestlers of all time, but this is an example of WCW Monday Nitro Saturday Night. Like, why is this happening? So here's a question. Quick question. I, we don't have to spend like 15 minutes on the answer or anything, but we're, we know we're talking about this being a three hour show, right? This is the first, this is probably the first time unless they've had another three hour special or something that I forget about. But so, so this is three hours of nitro. We have all of these matches and we, we keep going, Jesus Christ, you put this match on. Cause could you give this match a little longer? But what is, what is worse if you have a three-hour show, is it having these kind of no do nothing short matches, or is it the formula WWE uses, where sometimes you have TV matches that just go way too fucking long? Because a match can be too long. You know what I mean? Like just because it's long doesn't mean it's good. So what do you guys think is better, the shorter matches like this? Get them in, get them out, or these long ass boring matches WWE does now. Do you want my honest opinion? Honest opinion? Mm-hmm. It's this because I I enjoy a three hour ninety seven Nitro more than I enjoy a three hour Raw now. Kyle, again, it's the three hour Raw. It's three hours that shouldn't be done. But if you're gonna do it, this is the way you should do it. In my opinion, is I would have. Two or three title matches. Have those be the focal point of your show. And the entire night be like, ladies and gentlemen, this is a th- what a three-hour show is. Th- you will only see this on these in pay-per-views. Like, this is pay-per-view caliber matches. But like I said, you only do one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Because you want people to see, like, this is what you're paying for. People are going to switch back and forth. Right. They, they, I mean, anybody that told you they didn't was lying to you. I, I, I guess I, yeah, I'm of the, I'm kind of of the opinion in between. I say, I agree with Aaron that the shorter, shorter matches are better. You know, get as many stars on your show as you can. But then maybe the, you have, like you say, maybe like your main event is a longer match. You know, so kind of a balance between the two. But anyway, I just as we were talking, I just kind of noticed. I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what uh, what the general consensus would be here. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. All right. Well, the next segment is Mean Gene brings out the Steiner brothers to. They're going to make their major announcement, and their major announcement is the formation of the most pointless and vanilla group I think ever. Is their new manager is Ted DiBiase? The so oh. Ted DiBiase is now managing the Steiner brothers. Um, And he says that he's decided to join the Steiner brothers, leave the NWO. And um, he's going to start helping tear down the NWO at road wild. When the Steiners face the outsiders. Um, Hi Ted. Cause fuck you. That's why. (laughs) All right. But then something fun happens. Um, the outsider, the outsiders, the outsiders come out and um, say that the Steiner brothers are good 
don't get us wrong. These Steiner brothers, they're good, but um, the outsiders are better. And then uh, Kevin Nash um, calls Ted DiBiase Pumpkinhead and says that he's a dead man. <laughs> and then um, Kevin Nash then says... The only reason the Steiner brothers have hired Ted DiBiase is so someone can read them the menus while they're on the road. <laughs> Implying that the Steiner brothers can't read. Read. Yep. <laughs> I, and he, I, and he, only, he only got away with saying that because they're friends. Yeah, they're all buddies. So I, I, I wonder, can they really read? <laughs> Because I don't think Scott has the patience for it. <laughs> I don't think Rick has the mental stability for it. Oh, Rick's uh, Rick was on a school board until he attacked a trans person. God. Oh, he's got the dog barking now. Scott can't read, but he can sure do math. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. So we're going to see the Steiners and the Outsiders at Road Wild. Um, then Psychosis is going to face uh, K-Dog uh, Psychosis is with Sonny Ono K-Dog gets a Tequila Sunrise for the victory um, then um, post-match Rey Mysterio is out on his crutches and um, K-Dog's messing with him um, trying to trying to do like he did last week where he's intimidating Ray because Ray's knees all messed up, but Ray is bluffing and ends up smacking Conan with his crutch. So Ray's apparently no longer hurt. So that's how that went. Okay. All right. Then we get the glacier, the glacier, glacier and the cat versus silver King and Damien six, six, six. The cat hits a spin kick off the top rope on silver King and gets the victory, so Glacier and the Cat win. That's what I'm telling you guys. It's going to blow through a what, lot of this. Why, why did we need this match? Oh, we don't have to keep going over. There's going to be a couple more where we say <laughs> You're this. like, I don't fucking bet. Um, Eric Bischoff comes out to the arena. Um, Bischoff talks shit about the Giant and then calls out J.J. Dillon. Um, if you guys remember, the Giant choke slam Bischoff last week. He says that... Um, if Giant overdoes ever does that again, he'll sue um, WCW for everything he's got, and I'll also sue the Big Show. Um, and he says if Larry Zabisco ever touches him again, he'll kick him in his in his fat head. And JJ Dillon just laughs it off and walks away. So that's what that was. Okay, this is Eric Bischoff at his egomaniacal best. Because it's not, oh, I can't wait for you guys to get there. But when he comes out and challenges Vince, yeah, I'm not gonna get there because we're not in. That's in '98. I know. I'm just saying though. But it, just at this point, like Eric Bischoff is just so full of himself. Like he is on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And he's talking shit, which he should never do. Yep. Um, then the Nitro Girls dance on the desk, and Bobby dances with the Nitro Girls. And then we get our 10th match. <laughs> Have we hit our due yet? 
Oh, we're in three. Believe me, I'm going to cook them through this. Um, it's Dallas Page versus Ric Flair. Um, Hennig comes out and he shakes Flair's hand, but then heads to the back because we're still playing off this. Is Hennig a horseman or not? Um, Page hits a big power bomb on Flair, um, which brings um, back out Kurt Hennig. We go to a break. Um, Flair's back in control after the break. Flair um, gets distracted um, by Hennig. He gets chop blocked. Then Flair traps on the figure four, but DDP gets the ropes. DDP gets his own figure four, but Hennig breaks it up. Um, Page goes for the cutter, but Hennig gets involved. And um, he and Page ends up taking on both um, um, Flair and Hennig. Um, and ends up knocking them both out, and DDP ends up winning via disqualification. So it's still telling the story of his it's Kurt and the Horseman and putting over the DDP um, Kurt Hennig feud. And I'm oh sorry, God. guys, but I gotta. If you guys want to talk about it, it's fine. But I gotta, I gotta pee real quick again. Sorry. Okay. Um, it's. I mean, it's still. It sounds like a pretty good match. Yeah, and I know Aaron's not Aaron's not a uh, Aaron's not a fan of DDP, but DDP's one of those guys for me. Like I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of him, but when he's with the right person and he's on, he's on, you know. Well, and it's him and Flair. So I mean Flair's never gonna make you look you know, bad, so uh... But that's that's what I'm saying. Like more stuff like that. Like again, I understand that you have um, all these wrestlers that it's on your payroll that you want to use. But really, did you need Damien Six Six Six? And do you need El Dandy every goddamn show? You can't, you know. Right. It's um. Oh, what am I kind of looking back? They're filling filling the room with words. Yeah, exactly. And I, to me, I think that only the best should be on shows like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have WCW Saturday Night, and that's where El Dandy and Calypso or whatever, the, whoever the fuck, it doesn't matter. Like, there are people who are trying to get up to the main show. Best thing El, best thing El Dandy ever did, and he didn't even do it. Bret Hart? Yeah, Bret, Bret Hart. Like, I'll defend against anybody. Take you on tomorrow, El Dandy. Gene's like El Dandy. Yeah, he's a fierce competitor. That El Dandy. You disrespect the good name of El Dandy. <laughs> like I'll even fight you, Bill. That like my favorite things in that. He's like I'll even fight you, Bill Goldberg. And Gene's <laughs> like he, he, he's going by Goldberg now. Yeah. <laughs> Come get me, Bill Goldberg. <laughs> And so the rest of the time he feeds, he's like, come on, Bill Goldberg. <laughs> so then we get, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys, but whatever you, the rest of your conversation was, we really have this match, a middle segment, and then, then the main event. I'm trying to leave, I'm trying to leave room for Nate's rant. Um, this might be the longest show I've done of my own show. Um, which I'm not complaining about, but um, the next thing we get is Hector Garza and Lizmark Jr. 
versus Viano four and five. Um, why are these people even a part of WCW? <laughs> what are you gonna do with Viano four? I like all four of these guys, but it shouldn't be on that. I do too, but they're running it off lucha rules, so there's no tags or anything like that. Um, well, that's Liz, Mark, Liz Mark hits his high dive. Guerrero or Guerrero Garza hits his uh, um, torpedo dive that he does, um, and then the Vianos do a little switcheroo, and the other Viano gets in and pins Liz Mark. So the Vianos are your winners. So that's how the- that. Works. The problem with those, it's always the same thing, is nobody in WCW, except for Mike Tanay, really knew what the fuck these trio matches were and how they, you know, the lucha rules. And they would just keep doing them, and the announcers are like, what the fuck are they pinning? Oh, that person's legal? Okay. I mean, at some point, it's like, why do you guys keep doing this? If you don't know how to do it, Right. So Conan could get those signing bonuses. Yep. That's true. <laughs> he he seems like a piece of shit, man. I don't know. I, I don't know the dude. I just I think he's funny. I think he's he might, he's funny. I just I don't know. Said it plenty of times. You can piece be a piece of shit as long as you're funny. <laughs> but you can't be an unfunny piece of shit. You can't be both. <laughs> or you, you gotta be you know what I mean anyway mm-hmm. yep. um, Mean Gene then brings out J.J. Dillon again to discuss Sting um, Dillon says that he understands how thing, how thing how Sting feels and says um, Sting can be trusted and uh, has shown his loyalty to WCW and Dillon says that he thinks he has a contract that's going to get Sting to come back because that's JJ's gimmick right now. He's, he's trying to give Sting what he thinks he wants, and um, Sting drops down from the ceiling. Um, and um, Dylan's like, Sting, I think I got it. I figured it out, guy. I got what you want the contract that's going to bring you back. It is a match against um, the current free agent, Kurt Hennig. And Sting tears up the contract and leaves. So that's not what Sting wants. He doesn't want Kurt Hennig. I think last week, I think it was six. He didn't want six. Like, so JJ's so, trying to figure it out. Go ahead. You're building this story. And in the next segment, you're going to fucking ruin it. <laughs> here's, the other, here's the other thing I want to say real quick. One, one. If Sting would just say... If he would just open his goddamn mouth and be like, I want Hogan. Yeah, J.J. Dillon's like, yeah. shoot it out your cocksucker, Sting. <laughs> Two. The, the, if the, I'm Sting, I'm like, y'all giving some t- title matches out? I mean. The thing I like about it is Sting's not talking because the entire time he was talking to you people, the entire oh, time I was talking to you people, and saying, I didn't do it. Like, I'm not a bad guy. None of you people listen to me. So if you're not going to listen to me, why the fuck should I talk to you? You figure it out. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> favorite, I, I, Sting was my guy growing up. Like, I love this fucking storyline, Hook, Like, and Singer. I just hate how it fucking ended. I hate how 
We'll get there. Don't spoil. I know. I know. We won't do spoil alerts on this show. Even though it happened fucking 28 years ago or whatever. No spoilers. Well, here's what I'm going to say right now. If you don't know the, the fucking story by now, then obviously you're not that big a fan. I'm just going to fucking say <laughs> it's not like it's fucking hard to find. I yeah. mean, it's, throw a goddamn stone, you'll find somebody talking about it. <laughs> I mean, don't throw them over here. But anyway... So that's how that goes. And now we're going to move into our Nitro main event. Oh, boy. It is Hollywood Hulk Hogan defending the, WCW, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against Lex Luger. Um, they lock up Luger powers Hogan into the corner. Um, honestly, Detroit's pretty into Lex Luger here. Um, um Luger kicks out of a leg drop, and then um, Hogan, ends up, oh, Hogan ends up missing a second leg drop on Luger. And then this brings out Randy Savage and the Outsiders, which Luger takes them out. And the reason they're not he's not disqualified is because they never actually made um, contact with Luger. Luger took him out before he could do that. And then... Um, Lex Luger gets the torture rack on um, on Hollywood. Luger gets the torture rack on Hulk Hogan, and um, Mr. Hogan submits, and your new world heavyweight champion is Lex Luger. And then the WCW crew come out, and they're celebrating with Lex Luger, and as WCW is celebrating... And like Shivani's like jerking off in the booth, and Shivani's like just going to town on himself. And Tanae and Bobby are like, huh. Um, that didn't really happen, but that's what it sounded like. Well, that's uh, Bobby's like, this is it, huh? This is the company. Okay. As WCW celebrates, Hulk Hogan is shown in his locker room with the NWO. Very irate, flipping over tables, super pissed off, and that is how we end the show. Kyle, do you have anything to say? I again, without spoiling anything, the story that we're trying to tell. I it's little mistakes like this. There's a reason why WCW is no longer in business. And it's not because Vince Russo came in in 1999. As bad as Vince Russo is, it, honestly, I think he tried his best to help the younger talent. He had a, vind a vindictive thing against the, the top stars. But the fact is that, unfortunately, because Hulk Hogan had creative control, because... Kevin Nash and Scott Hall came from WCW or WWF to WCW and had language in their contracts. This is the reason why stuff is like this is happening. This is the reason why Vince won. I have I have I have watched pro wrestling since I was five years old. I am currently 44 years old. So I've watched pro wrestling for almost 40 years. I have gone back. 
and watched <laughs> pro wrestling from WWF, WCW, Mid-South, ECW, Memphis, Portland. I've watched so much wrestling in my life, and I can easily say this thing right here is one of the five stupidest moments in the history of professional wrestling because you have been telling the story for almost a year of sting 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 so the, the 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 orgasm if you will the the finishing of this thing should be hulk hogan defeated by sting well and and in, and, 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 and instead on nitro the first time Hogan loses the belt since this whole kabopple began is to Lex fucking Luger. You just, you just in the previous segment did part of your angle with Sting that should be paying off with him being the guy to finally beat Hogan for the title. And then you have him lose it to Luger. And I know, I know, Aaron, you're going to do the pay per view, but it's part of my rant. And then five days later, Luger just fucking loses it back to him anyway. It yeah, doesn't make it's any cool sense. That, it's cool that we're going to do the pay-per-view, but my my, are you done? Not not are you done? Not saying yeah, it. I know. No, no. I I, you, I I I just hope what I'm saying makes sense. This is so it stupid. Does. It does, but it's also like okay, we want you to buy. We, we're we're not charging people to watch our show. Okay, at this pay-per-view, we're not charging a mission. Or part of the fucking um, um, we're one of the carnival attractions. Yeah, we're one of the carnival attractions, which is fine, whatever. But we have this match that people obviously wanted to see, okay? Because if I if I if I know right, they beat Brawl, right? People mm -hmm. want to see this fucking match between Hogan and Luger, but now you just gave it to him on TV. And now you're expecting them to plunk down fucking 40 bucks to buy your pay-per-view to watch well, the same match again? Well, here's my biggest problem with it is because I'm sure if you ask Eric Bischoff or anybody else, well, we did it to pop a rating because we're a television company, correct? Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's my problem with that. You have strategically over the last year shown and trained your audience that Main event matches don't mean shit in WCW. I don't care if it's a fucking world title match. There's going to be some bullshit fucking ending somehow. Mm -hmm. Because they want you to buy the pay-per-view. How many people didn't watch the end of this fucking match because they're just like, oh, I ain't going to fucking matter anyways. Because in five days. So you can't tell me it was for ratings. Because I that they nobody fucking... And the thing with wrestling is going into the pay-per-view, you should have a fuck finish because you're wanting to get the payoff when you get to the pay-per-view, mm -hmm. but you just blew your load on fucking TV. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it it's, it's, it's mind boggling that this happened. I don't even care if like, I wouldn't even have been, I would have still thought it was stupid, but I wouldn't even have been like, this is fucking mental. If Luger would have won the belt at Sturgis, you know what I mean? And then the next night Hogan beats him again and, and gets the belt back, whatever, you know, but it's fucking mind boggling that we're going to put our main event for our pay-per-view on fucking cable TV. But now we still expect you to buy our pay-per-view and watch these guys wrestle again five days later.
<laughs> or better yet, like if you're gonna want to do it, then have Sting help him interfere in Luger's behalf. That way, it still looks like because, like I said, it looks real dumb for Sting to show up here and he'd be like, "We got you a match with Kurt Hennon. And he just like fucking rips it up and walks away when it's like, well, you, you're fucking putting world title matches out. I want Hogan. I guarantee you, if you ask all those fans, you want me to wrestle Hogan? They're going to, yeah. Right. Well, this is what they thought was a crowning achievement, but it's one of the dumbest fucking moves that's ever happened in televised from, from every From every angle, it's stupid. This is number two. Number one is Hogan versus Goldberg on Nitro. They were desperate at that point. That right there. I'm sorry. Whoever thought that was a good idea should have been shot because why would you? That at least makes sense to me because we're desperate. At this point, they're not desperate. They're talking, they're they're fucking King Kong <laughs> themselves saying we're the best. Yeah. Like, you do this fucking shit. <laughs> this is bad. All around bad booking. Just just not good. And that's how Nitro ends. And we definitely oh, can yeah. say Raw Raw won this week. Oh yeah. Not in the ratings in ninety seven, but as a show, it was a much better show. So cool. And that's the thing too, like, cause if you ask, you know, any of them like 97 was that weird year where, like, the, the, the pay-per-views and everything didn't show the same, but, like, their house shows were phenomenal because guess what happened with WCW and WWF? WCW, you went to see their house shows. You didn't get to see Hall and Hogan staying, and you saw fucking El Dandy. You saw, <laughs> you saw WCW Saturday night. At least with WWF, you got to see Brett and Sean and... Yep. Yeah, because they weren't working off guarantees. They were working off you work, or I don't pay you. <laughs> well, Just show you. So that's how we're going to end this week of WCW, WWF, and the year that was 97. So all in all, Nitro was a three-hour bust. Raw was an hour and... 25 or two hours. I mean, there's not commercials. So on the Peacock, it's like an hour and hour and 20 for Raw and two hours and 15 for Nitro and, and bell to bell action to action beginning to end. Raw was much better, obviously. And this is one of the biggest boners in the history of WCW. Agreed. I. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is why they're not they're not in business anymore. There's a reason. <laughs> it's it's silly to go back and watch, but you I mean you can just see it happen. Okay. It doesn't get better, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a true statement. It does not. <laughs> so, um, unless nope. Oh. I'm saying they try with Goldberg. Boy, they try, but. <laughs> the fucking what's the express what's the expression the 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 something has left the something I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. the horse has left the barn yeah something like that yeah at this at that point the horse has it's left the out. barn yeah <laughs> it's out of the bottle it's like oh well 
He's bald head and he's got a good tea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, wrap it up. I got to poop. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank my hosts, my co-hosts for joining in today. Um, so I appreciate you guys being here and, um, if you guys don't listen to all the uh, all the shows on the uh, WrestleNet Radio podcast family, they're all they're all the bee's knees. They're all a one in my book. So listen to them, enjoy them, and if you don't enjoy them, don't tell us about it. Just don't listen. <laughs>